Hey, Chris, welcome back. Good morning. We, I think we're going to go back and look at just what the Bible is. Where does it come from and is it reliable? Does that sound like a good place to start? Yeah, I think, I think it's a great place to start because I, th- I think this is a French word, a French term, but don't think for a second I'm smart just because I, if I'm right about this, but it's called a pousteau and it means your starting point. It's a term that comes from, from logic and from philosophy. And if your starting point is, I am the decider of truth from my ability, my intellect, my, my experience, and there's no greater authority than me to determine truth. If that's your starting point, you're going to have a much different ending point than if your starting point is God's word is true. Definitely a worthwhile endeavor to talk about how did God's word, where did it come from? And, and is it reliable? Is it trustworthy? Can I live my life according to it? I can't think of a, a better topic to have a discussion about this morning. Thank you. I'm glad you took that French and broke it down so a country boy like me could understand it, because I can assure you that if I know any words of French, it's by accident. But what a wonderful point to make for each of us to realize that it's not about us. It even brings to mind that very well-known scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on Hollis's understanding or Chris's understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge God. And to acknowledge God is to acknowledge God's word, because what we call the Holy Bible, which is made up of, I think, 66 books. Route 66. Route 66. And those are not from man they're from God. It's, it's a great example of the truth that we have in Second Peter, talking about how Scripture came about. In Second Peter 1, verse 20 through 21, it says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Sometimes I've heard Bible studies where somebody will ask a question, not what do you think this means? That's a very legitimate question. But they'll ask the question, what does this mean to you? We don't get private interpretation of Scripture. The reason that's so important to recognize that we don't decide what Scripture is or, or we don't decide what the appropriate or the correct interpretation is and that there can be many different interpretations is because that takes away the authority of Scripture and gives it back to the authority of man mm. because it's not what does Scripture say or what did God mean when he caused this to be written. Uh, instead, we say, nope, I'll take the authority on that and I'll decide uh, what its interpretation is. Back to, to Second Peter, that doesn't come from someone's own interpretation. It said, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Nobody ever sat down and said, you know what? I think I'm going to write the inspired word of God today. That seems like a good way to spend an hour or two. That never happened. Nobody willed to do it. And instead, they were moved along or technical word as they were superintended by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit moved them along as they wrote, not because they decided to, not because the human author decided to, but moved along by the Spirit of God. Yes. Brother Mike Child would say when people would question that the Bible was the word of God 
And they would say, don't you think Paul ever had a bad day? And he said, absolutely had bad days. He just didn't happen to write scripture on those. I'm reminded from what you read from 1 Peter 1.21 about 2 Timothy 3.16 that says, all scripture is God-breathed, meaning it comes from God and it is profitable or useful or helpful for training, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that we might be equipped or made ready to go and serve God. That's right. Yeah. Out of the four things that is listed in 2 Timothy 3.16 that the inspired word of God accomplishes, three out of the four are very practical. One of those is knowledge, is to know, but the rest of them are application. God's word changes the way we live, changes the way we think, changes the way we speak, and it has a work in our life. Not so that we can be better than everybody else, because that's certainly not true, but that God is using his word to equip us and prepare us for every good work. Sometimes people get it backwards in that they think the good work saves them. God's word is clear that it's not by good works, but we are saved with the expectation that once we are saved, the result will be good works. And that's an important aspect of Scripture. What we do once we get there in terms of our relationship with God. Yeah. It's, again, with Scripture, the work that it has in our life and why it matters is Second Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. How is that done? A worker who has no need to be ashamed because they rightly handle the word of truth. Some people have the idea that God's word is good to know, but I'm looking for more practical, physical things to do. I want to love people and I want to be used by God. And I don't want to just sit and study God's word. That doesn't help anybody. We just looked at a couple of passages that basically have said, without God's word, you can't serve him. You have to rightly handle God's truth. There was a little book that I had years ago, and it was entitled Crooked Cuts with the idea of rightly handling the word of truth. We don't Mm. want to cut as a carpenter. We don't want to cut crooked. Mm. We want to make sure that we are, we're cutting straight. And, and it was just a little practical book about the things we need to be aware of that if we're looking at scripture and we're not approaching it correctly, we'll cut it crooked. Imagine a carpenter whose cuts are all crooked and then the homeowner comes and they show them all of the lopsided house that nothing's level, they should be pretty ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to do that as a carpenter. As a believer, we don't want to incorrectly handle God's word. We want to cut it straight. Even more, we should do both well, but certainly the handling of God's word. You said something a minute ago that that the word changes us and transforms. I'm not sure if you use transform, but I know that's a word we would agree that would work there. I'm reminded of the saying, I believe it was by Henry Blackaby in the wonderful study that he and Claude King wrote together called Experiencing God. He had a little graphic that showed what we do when we come to Scripture, and he called it a crisis of belief because we can read the Scripture and then go on about our way, but it brings us to that I love his term, crisis of belief. Do I accept and act on the word of God 
or do I just go on about my life as if this had no relevancy to me? It forces us to make one decision or the other. The verse that you referenced earlier, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. That's a great verse to know, but it's a better verse to live, but it's harder. I memorized that one pretty quick, but every day it seems like I have to remind myself to to live in its truth. That's a wonderful way of putting it in because I don't think I mentioned it and you didn't either for anybody that needs to know that's found in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament in chapter three, verses five and six, and actually seven, we don't usually quote. But I strongly encourage also looking at that one. So we need to act on the word of God according to the word of God so that we can be the people God created us to be. Not to be God's people, but as God's people, to be the people he created us to be, like in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For he created us for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yeah. Yeah. Some people doubt the truth or the authority of the Bible, and and they think it's just an old, but it's also incredibly relevant, and there's no other book like it. You and I were discussing earlier some of the interesting things about the Bible and it being written. It was written in a time period of how many years? 1,500 years? Of yes. Written in three different languages on three different continents with 40 different authors going from the poorest of the poor to kings. And yet it's unity and harmony in proclaiming the truth that, that we are sinners innate and Jesus Christ is the Messiah who saves. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. Can you imagine getting 40 people in a room and having all 40 people agree about anything? Is there any topic where 40 people would have complete agreement? When people question the word of God and I have an occasion to try to respond to that, I almost get to the place of a deep belly laugh because if anybody would read the scripture with an open mind to hear from God, I think you would quickly reach the place where it would be impossible for you not to recognize exactly what you just said, that it's an, it is a book as we describe books, but it is not a book in the sense of any other book that's ever been written or ever will be, because it is, as you said earlier, quoting scripture, it is the inspired word of God. It is totally relevant to everything in our life today. It's as timely this morning as it was 2,000, 4,000, 5,000 years ago. And it is a, an absolutely reliable guide to build our daily lives on as we seek to follow the creator. There are times where intellectually, if you ask me, is the Bible, God's inspired word, perfect in its original writing, without second hesitation, I would say absolutely. If you ask me, is it authoritative in your life? Again, intellectually speaking, I wouldn't pause. Absolutely. But faith is when you begin to live those truths out. There are times when when I've had to have a little discussion in my own mind. I 
know God's word is true. I know that's the right answer. Am I going to be obedient to it? Am I going to be vulnerable in that I'm taking my thoughts, my authority, my desires out and I say, all right, God, I'm just going to trust you in your word. And when I do that, I don't think there's ever been a single time where I said, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Usually it's more along the lines of why didn't I do this earlier? And so you just see it all the time as you live it out where I just shake my head and say, yeah, God's word was true again. Yeah. And that's been the experience of all the people who have taken the path of following Jesus, of seeking God and encountering his word. 